You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on this brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your delectable, deliciously disabled host and delicious daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this episode started, shall we? First things first, I want to give a shout out to the Patreon peeps that keeps the bright light shining on this show and keeps the bright light shining on Disability Stories. And for today, I got to give a shout out to my friend Diego Mariscal, who pledged $5 a month to keep the show going. And Diego, as a thank you for your pledge, you get the show one day early and completely ad-free over on the Patreon. So... Yeah, you also will get a weird, awkward shout-out for me right now, which is this. Diego Mariscal, you are my pal. Thank you so much for your $5 pledge. And also, Diego does awesome work in the disability world, and I want to thank him for all the stuff he does. Diego, if you want to be a guest on the show, 
there's an invitation always for you. If you want to pledge to the show, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month or more or even a yearly amount if that works for your budget. Whatever you can do, I fully appreciate it. When you pledge, you'll get the show one day early, completely ad-free over on the Patreon, and you'll have my undying crippled love and support. So if you're able to pledge, that's great. If not, also, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts because shows like this award-winning program need your support to keep going and doing things. So any kind of review you want to leave for us about how great disability representation is on the show, how funny it is, how charming I am, any kind of review that you want. Or if you're like, hey, Andrew, do better. Leave one of those reviews too, but let us know what you think. But now, let's get on to the show today. Friends, this show is going to be a big one, and I am really, really excited about it today. I literally just recorded with this guest all of two hours ago, and I I still cannot believe that I got to talk to this person today. I feel kind of starstruck because, like, I didn't even think this would happen. Let me tell you... Just how all how my my interview with this guest came to be today because it's a pretty cool story. So if you watch Netflix or do any kind of streaming right now, you know one of the most powerhouse shows of the last three years has been the really funny, really honest, really cringy, awkward, hilarious show, Sex Education. And I, as with many of us, have fallen in love with that show. I watched season two and three back to back like a couple weeks ago and I hadn't seen season two last year and I watched so I watched season two and three back to back and I just was like this show is fucking brilliant and I, I think it is such a great piece of art and a great piece of television that I just loved it and I also love that in, in season two they brought in a wheelchair using character named Isaac and I got to sit down today with the actor who plays Isaac, George Robinson. And it was such... First of all, I was starstruck the whole time. I couldn't believe it even happened. I put out a call on my social media a couple weeks ago. And I thought, ah, oh, nothing will come of this. I put out a call and said, I want to talk to George Ross Robinson from Sex Education. Does any Do any cool disabled people know how I can get a hold of him? And without... Within, I would say, 12 hours, my friend Lucy, who you've heard on the show, Lucy Dawson, DM'd me and said, I know how to get a hold of him, let me try. And within 12 hours of that, so within a full 24 hours of me putting out a random tweet, I was talking to George, and then I was getting in touch with his publicist to do the show. And I was like, this is really cool that someone, that I, that the power of the disability internet meant that I got to, to sit down and t- talk with George. So we had a really easy, fun interview about George's experience becoming disabled. And we talked also a lot about his experience kind of working as a disabled actor and how sex, his role as Isaac on sex education came to be. We talk about the intimate scene between him and Maeve in season three and kind of how that was crafted. We talk about how he 
how he was treated as a disabled actor on set and how lovely they all were with him. We talk about the way he sees himself as a person with disabilities and what that means for him. And we talk about how all of that plays into his character of Isaac and so much more. Um, it was really, really fun to sit down with him. He's a really, really great guy. He's going to go places and he's going to make this character of Isaac on Sex Education pop. It was just really, really cool. I really, really enjoyed sitting down with him and doing this really easy, fun interview. Um, and I hope you enjoy it too as we talk about sex education, we talk about disability, we talk about a whole bunch of things. He's also really funny and really like cheeky and I like that about him and so we had a good time. So I hope you enjoy this interview with my new friend, George Robinson, from Sex Education, right here on Disability After Dark. George Robinson, hello. Hello, how's it going? It's going really well. How are you doing today? I'm very well. I'm very well. Just it's uh, unusually warm today um, for October. So it's sort of, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's also weirdly warm for us here in Canada in October. So that's cool too. Yeah. I mean, it's great, you know, global warming in there. It's not, yeah. not ideal, but we, let's enjoy it while we last. While it's, it lasts, okay? it's nice, but it's, it's also a nice period. Yeah. It's nice, but it's also sort of terrifying for the planet. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm excited to have you here because you are one of the stars of my favorite show right now, uh, Sex Education. And I put out a call on social media, like at the time of this recording, like two weeks ago. And I said, I'm going to try and see if somebody with disabilities knows George to get him on the show. And then weirdly enough, friend of the show, Lucy was like, I know him I'll I'll let him know. And then within like a couple hours we were talking. So that was really, it was really weird that it happened that way. You manifested it into the universe. That's what you've done. And the power of Instagram made it happen. So I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm excited to be, to be sitting down with you because I just finished watching your show. And so now I'm like, oh, this is really, this is like super cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, it's lovely to, for you, of you to have me on. It's very, 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 very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited because, you know, it's a little show that I make for my bedroom. I don't often have like, Netflix stars my show but here we are so yay uh <laughs> so before we start too much can you for anybody who doesn't know who you are can you introduce yourself to the audience tell us a bit about who you are what you do sure um my name is George Robinson I am an actor um and uh I play Isaac on Netflix's sex education um I education from fire tv Sorry, oh. Alexa is just interrupting me. Thank you very much. Alexa, stop. She wants to remind you that you're a star of the Netflix show? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always like to have my ego massaged by um, robots and machines. It's lovely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm in um, sex education uh, and I'm also a uh, tetraplegic wheelchair user, um, which, uh, yeah, I. I um, I got a spinal cord injury um, playing rugby in South Africa. Um, so now I sit down a little more than I did in the past. Cool. Uh, yeah. Um, it, was not, it was not my best decision to, to break my neck, you know? No, I mean, I mean, we learned. We, we learn. Yeah. It's probably not something you were like planning to do that day, but then there it is. No, that would have been, it, would have, it was quite low down the list. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to, you know, have a, have a shower, you know, just do a bit of rugby and then and way, then, way down. Yeah. Way, way down was breaking break the other day. Yeah. Um, so my next question was going to be, was going to be, what are your disabilities and how do they impact your day today? Um, you sort of alluded to that, but if you, if you want to go in more in depth, that'd be cool. Sure. Um, so, so with my spinal cord injury, um, I'm C4 slash five. That's where I broke my neck. So, okay. um, the fourth and fifth vertebra, um, which means, and that's a complete injury. So I can't feel anything below my level of injury, which is sort of just above my nipples. So that's a okay. lovely image for you. Um, yeah, so I can't feel anything. So I, um, essentially just need help with, um, certain things and sort of just to give me a hand with getting up in the morning and getting to bed at night. Um, but yeah, I've got some lovely PAs who help me out with that sort of stuff. Um, PAs are great and they're pretty awesome. They're all right. And if you can find some good ones, I mean, it's even better. Uh, exactly. So, you know, because you've, you acquired the disability and you're 24, right? Yeah. That makes me feel ancient. Um, so <laughs> you, you acquired the disability. Um, and, you know, I know people who, there's a big, vast difference between people who acquire disability and who have it congenitally. And there's like so many variations. What was it? I mean, other, other than like not wanting to break your neck that day, what was it like to like, how, what has it been like to go from a non-disabled person to a disabled person? I mean, it's it's odd in the sense of, I mean, you're in a in a moment you're suddenly part of a a group that you had no association with necessarily before. You so like a, a a minority, let's say. Yeah. That you had no, um, you you weren't part of that minority before. Let's say. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there's obviously the the logistical aspects of sort of like suddenly you can't feel parts of your body you can't move parts of your body um so you know the initial um you're not really thinking about it in too profound a way you're thinking ah i can't feel my toes or or, or whatever but yeah. more like as as um as you come to, to terms with it a bit more you sort of think about what that means in the wider scope of your identity and whether your identity has changed or not and i really don't think it um your identity is completely the same. It's just your perspective is um, somewhat different, let's say. And how how long has it been since the injury happened? Uh, six and a half years. So I was 17 um, at the I time. I mean, that's a really big, that's a, that's a really big time in our lives anyway. I could not imagine going through being a teenager and going through like, you know, hormones and trying to figure all that shit out and then oh yeah i guess what i broke my neck yeah it was a you know it was a hurdle that not many others have to, to deal with when it comes to teenage years yeah so uh, yeah it's quite a specific thing for someone to go through yeah um, did, yeah does that experience we're gonna get into your show in a second because i can't get enough of it and i've watched season three like twice but but did that does your experience of of becoming disabled inform kind of how you play isaac um, I mean, I'm sure it does probably, um, subconsciously, but I don't play him thinking just like, right, he's, he's disabled. Okay. He has a disabled character. I just think of him sort of, he's, he's just the guy, he's just another, 
um, teenager going through his own stuff. Um, and sort of, I let my experiences sort of, uh, leak into, um, my performance of him, um, as naturally as, um, I can. Cause I think if you, you don't, you want to be playing a character, you don't want to be playing, um, a version of you, if, it, if it's too much of a, like a, a surface level performance of disability, then it's just going to fail because I mean, the whole yeah. point of sex ed and the, the various characters on sex ed is to be, it's just to be very authentic. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that with Isaac, I sort of just, yeah, play, play a person, not, not pander to a disability or whatever. Yeah. And you're not playing like a caricature of what it means to be disabled. Exactly. You're, you're playing a person, which I think is the way to go. Um, so I love that show so much. Like I said, I watched season three a whole bunch, and I watched I like I I watched see I watched season two and three back to back like two weeks ago. Um, oh, and so I, what was it like for you getting that character of Isaac? What was what was the whole journey of getting of like auditioning and getting Isaac, and how did that come about? I mean, it was quite wild, really. <laughs> In, in 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 terms of so growing up, I'd sort of always had a had an eye on acting as a profession, um, right? But wasn't too sure whether that would be something that I could do professionally or 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 whatever. I just sort of enjoyed performing, making making people um, laugh or or whatever. And then as I'm sort of growing older I, I sort of had an eye on you know maybe going to drama school or, or, or whatever and just pursuing that properly and then you know I, I go to South Africa and um do me neck in so to speak um which wasn't ideal um and then so after like appearing in hospital and going back to school and stuff I sort of wasn't sure as to my um uh, as whether i wanted to pursue acting um I don't think I was particularly sure of who I was um anymore at the time and I've realized since that I was exactly the same that I am exactly the same person um but I think I mean I, I realized that in order to act even though it's sort of counterintuitive in order to perform as other people you have to understand yourself first yeah. and at the time of making the decision of drama school or or pursuing something else um, I didn't really know who I was too much um, in, in terms of sort of what it would be to perform as a uh, an actor with a disability. Um, but uh, so I, I went to university in, in Birmingham to study uh, philosophy. Um, and then I decided that what would be good in order to keep that dramatic side um, of me sort of rolling still let's say I would do sort of uh, acting on the side so did some guild student guild plays um, and also did a um, a yeah screen acting course um, in Birmingham uh, acting for screen uh, nice which was yeah which was great and then you know got an agent through through that and, um, and then my second ever audition uh, via my agent at Disabled People was um, was for sex education. Wow, that's 
I mean, which is wild. Um, just, I mean, the very fact that I got a text message from my agent just saying, "Hey, um, Netflix are doing a show, and they want you to audition." <laughs> like, I yes, sure, sure. I mean, if the story, yes. like, the thing is that if the story ended there, that's great. I'm fine with that. Oh, I know yeah. for Netflix. Sick. Yeah, that's fine. And then it just, yeah. Like I went to the audition and they liked me, and it's all spiraled out of control. Quite frankly, I mean, that it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty awesome. And I remember when I heard that they were casting a, like when I heard that a disabled character was going on season two, I was like, oh, that's really cool. And my, as somebody who works in like disability media and talks about disability a lot and does a lot of stuff, I was like, oh, I really hope they don't fuck this up. Like I hope they yeah. cast a disabled <laughs> person. So when I found out it was you, I was like. Well, that's incredible. <laughs> like, good, they did it. They did it right. Um, what was it like for you? Kind of, what, what, how was Isaac pitched to you when you like got the sides for him? What was what was he like? So, I mean, it was really. Um, I mean, I I think at that stage I wasn't really sure what a normal casting process was, um, but essentially I got the message through of this is Isaac. Um, we're wanting to cast him. He has a disability, but we're not set on what disability he has. Um, so we'll write the role around uh, whoever we cast, but essentially he's got the um, characteristics of being, um, you know, sarcastic um, and a bit of a bastard, really. So I thought, yeah. yes, I can do that. I yeah. can be, I can be that guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so I think that um, so they basically had sent the writers off and just been like, yeah, this character Isaac's um, a bastard, like we've said, but don't worry about the um, specifics of his disability just yet. Um, we'll, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll write um, those things after we cast it. So that really actually made me feel quite relaxed in terms of the audition process because it was just like. Well, if they like me, they like me. Yeah, and they were I, also saying, like, you don't have to play. We're not looking for somebody who has, like, who had a tragic accident or who had, like, some horrible backstory that you have to, like, try to do here. We're saying whatever your disability is, we'll write it in to the show. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so the, I, I suppose that, I mean, so coming in on season two, the natural assumption would have been, for the casting process to be like the sides that were you, you would get sent through would have been that last um uh the speech uh that isaac does explaining his disability about you know he fell out of a tree and stuff you'd expect that to be the, the audition piece because it's just like oh okay that explains the character but no it was just yeah. like isaac was doing day-to-day stuff winding mave up um yeah and then the casting process you know i had uh it was two auditions and then I had a chemistry read with, with Emma because obviously Isaac's character and Maeve's character are somewhat entwined, let's say. Yeah. Um, yeah. If but it was great. It was a very fun audition process. If you haven't watched and you're listening, you're going to get a bunch of spoilers now. So oh, yeah. pause and watch, and watch the show before we start doing the, the rest of it. But, but I think, you know, I was really excited when I heard about that because everybody, when I when it came out last year and I only watched it this year because I, because life happened, but when it came out last year, I, 
everybody was like, oh my God, you have to see the show because they cast a real disabled person. And like, when I watched it this year, I was like, oh yeah, they did a really good job. Like, I like how the show brought in Isaac. I like how, like, I also like on the show, I noticed when I was watching, there were disabled people in the background a lot, just doing stuff. And I was like, I like that too, that there's background actors with disabilities just around the yeah. school and around, like everywhere. Yeah, I think that's that's what I what's what drew me to the show initially. I mean, I was a fan of the show before um, before I was a part of it with season one coming out. It just yeah. felt so vibrant and just so full of um, every sort of like loads of demographics of people. So people with in chairs, people um, yeah of all different sexualities and and, and whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I really, I really liked how, you know, at no point was Isaac's disability a plot point. It was just an aspect of his existence. It's just, you know, his chair was um, seen as a means of transport. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like. I, I'm, I'm curious. Is the chair that you use in the show is that your chair, or is that a chair they got for you? It is. Yeah, Netflix didn't didn't. Uh, splurge out on my <laughs> on a new chair for me but I, yeah i thought I, I thought it might have been yours but i was like maybe it's maybe it's a prop i don't know <laughs> well it'll be funny enough if they you know if at the end of it um they just like george um would it be all right if we just take your chair as a bit of memorabilia or something so, <laughs> no no it's not uh, this is mine or you know netflix if you want to buy george a new chair i mean yeah exactly i mean we always oh. need new equipment figure it out figure it I out just, yeah that's the reason i do sta- like i just love stash Are you familiar with the term stash it's just I'm not you know it's 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 basically when you get um you get like you go on a school trip and that's part of that school trip is like you get a jumper or whatever so, like so I've always been drawn to stash. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, which is part like, of the reason I went on my uh, rugby tour, um, which you know didn't go. Didn't great. go. I just follow stash, <laughs> and I, I, I accept wherever that takes me. Well, you got so much more than stash on that trip. So I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not everyone. But the thing is, not everyone got that. Not everyone broke their neck. So yeah, I mean, exclusive, exclusive they missed stash. Out. They missed out on so many experiences. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, there are so many considerations being a wheelchair user that people don't think about generally, but f- specifically as an actor using a wheelchair, are there things that you wish like the industry would think about or things that you didn't think about before you landed the role as like a wheelchair using actor? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I was... I'm trying to think. I think I'd only been injured about four, four and a bit years by the time I was cast in the show. Um, so really, I mean, I get referred to as a toddler by um, other people with spinal cord injuries. Uh, oh, well. Wow. I've only been injured a short time. So yeah, I'm still figuring it out, let's say. But yeah, so at the time I was still negotiating all of that myself, discovering you know, what I needed in terms of access and, and, and all of that and how, you know, taking my PAs away with me um, for work and just negotiating all of that because, you know, the, the, the lovely people at Netflix didn't necessarily know the, the nature of how to work that yeah. with, their, with their experiences, but of course. it was all a learning. Um, 
and then I mean there are loads of um I think that a lot of the issues within the industry are now structural. I mean, very rarely are you going to have someone just come up to you and say, no, no, you're, you know, they're going to, they're not going to call you any they're names gonna, or anything. Like, um, but a lot of the time it's just, yeah, like I said, like structural issues of um, sometimes they won't be able to get an accessible trailer for you. So you'll have to, um just linger around like in one of the buildings whatever um so it's like bits like that and i think it's just making sure that ahead of time you've covered all the bases and um i've learned obviously with with going through what i've gone through is finding a way to articulate what you need um can be very important and that's still something that i'm still learning um how to do well, I was born with disabilities and I'm still learning how to do that now. So like, yeah. it's, it's, I think articulating our needs as disabled people can be really hard because your needs, our needs can be so, can change so quickly that how do you articulate something that can, is so dynamic? Yeah. And I think and it's, it's difficult because it, it, both sides of, of it are true. It's like you don't want to have to keep on explaining what you need. Yeah, but also you can't leave it for someone to assume. Yeah, um, it's a, and, it's it's, really... and it can be quite energy draining initially. Of course, um, but it's, I mean, I think part of it, as I'm very lucky to have a good group of um, people around me who, when I'm lazy, being lazy, let's say, and articulate what I need, they can um, they can lighten the load. Let's say. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like so? Other than structural stuff, like not having a trailer and not you know, maybe not, maybe not having the most access right away. What is like some of the other stuff you learned? Uh, Cause we don't see many characters like Isaac on TV with disabilities, with their wheelchairs. So what is something you've learned as an actor to bring? Like, how do you bring, what is my question? I don't know. How, how do you, <laughs> how do you bring um, a wheelchair using character to life like Isaac? I mean, I suppose it's just, hmm, just do it, I suppose. <laughs> like, uh, I, I think it's just, I mean, a lot of it is just trusting the the writing and stuff. And I'm, you know, Isaac is a very, um, you know, well, well, well written character by the wonderful uh, Laurie Nunn and, and her team. Uh, so I think I'm very fortunate in that sense that I can just trust in the, in the writing and then perform it and the the writing team obviously with um with what they uh did in terms of working with me to develop the character of Isaac they're really um collaborative in that sense of just like listen, listen George you know this this is what we've got uh are there any you know changes that you need to, we need to do sort of in terms of yeah. dialogue you know how because I mean self-deprecating humor is such a specific thing and i'm sure i'm sure you, you know that yeah it, it can be really quite a hard one to get right yeah i mean even when you're not acting if you don't do it right it's it's yeah exactly yeah <laughs> you can alienate alienate quite a lot of people around you yeah um and i love your character because he is kind of an he's he is kind of a bastard he is kind of a troublemaker he's very like from the very opening scene where we see him like doesn't Maeve ask him if she can carry in his 
or help him with bags. And he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. If I asked you, I would, I, I, if I needed help, I would yeah. ask you. And like right away, you can, you get this like sense of like, fuck off. Don't talk, to, don't talk to me kind of thing from him. And I like that because that shows also like so many characters with disabilities are either pitiable, tragic characters or like straight up bastards. And I like Isaac because he's, He's neither of those things. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to be a sarcastic fuckwit because I can. And yeah. yeah, so I enjoy that about his character because he doesn't play to any disability trope. He just is. And from yeah. the second he's on, like I, I wanted to see so much more of him like in the school. Like I wish he was like in more of the main stuff because I like him a lot. Yeah, I think that I think that a part of the reason Isaac works is, is, you know, obviously it would be cool to see him in and around the school. Just a disabled character in the school would be, you know, cool. But you know, we, we've. I, I think that what's so good about Isaac is is that he's very good at alleviating some of the pressure to get outside the school to see some of the the wider context of of Moordale. Yeah, um, and I think that, yeah, him existing sort of within the caravan site, I think within season one, I think that was one of the bits that people were drawn to was the dynamics of the caravan site. And I think that Isaac opens that up uh, a lot more. And I think that part of the intrigue with Isaac is like you said, we haven't had a character like him too much in the past. One that's neither um, the angelic face of, you know, pity me, pity me. Yeah. Nor is he the, um, you know, evil he's character. Gratuit- he's not gratuitously written to be an awful, awful person. There's, yeah. there's a re- he's a real gray character in that sense. Yeah, he's somewhere in between. Like he's, he, yeah, like you kind of don't like him because things happen with him and uh, him and Otis, and then you're kind of like, but I do like you a lot. <laughs> I like you. Yeah. Um, I would love to see a scene with him and and Jean. Only because I want you to have screen time with Gillian Anderson. Yeah, I just want to work with it. Just, you know, I'll do, like, I'll do whatever. Can, can, seriously, for season four, can somebody figure out how to get Isaac and Gene in the same room? I just, I need I mean, to see that. that would be, I mean, pers- yeah, personally for me, that would be just an absolute dream to, to work with Gene Anderson in any, any form. Um, but I think that that's the, that's, the, that's the great thing about the writing, really, is that all of these characters are so well constructed and well conceived and, and and that is that part of part of it is just oh i wonder what would happen if such and such and such and such were in a room together and then just sort yeah. of exploring that i think that would be awesome um yeah yeah you, you talked a second ago about how netflix has been really good about coming to you with like things for isaac and understanding the disability experience so they can write it better what are those conversations like with the team? How do they like, other than just bringing it to you, like, do they say like, Oh, we don't understand any of this. Please educate us. Like, what is that like? Yeah, I think so. The majority of those conversations sort of go on um, with, with the writers and between sort of charities. Um, so the, uh, the, the backup trust and enhance UK and all of those spinal cord injury charities. Um, yes. Yeah. 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 They speak to those guys. 
Um, Enhance UK is great. I know some people there. I've done some work for them. So yeah. they're great. And, and then what they they come to me and just sort of like, right, does we've we've got this. Does this work for you specifically? And I'll, I'll either say yes or, or not quite. I mean, they're usually very, very um, right on it. But sometimes it's just... I mean, with every spinal cord injury and every disability really is, is, is different, isn't it? So I think that that coming to me and just being like, listen, we've got this, how does it work? You know, whether it's a dialogue change or what do we need to do in terms of, um, you know, access within the scene itself um, and just making it plausible. So like stuff of um, like Isaac would be just roaming around the caravan and then it'd be like a question of like, Oh, what is he actually doing? Like, is he is he going to take the washing out? Is he going to the the, the laundrette or or whatever? Just just small things like that. Um, yeah, they're really good for that. Nice. Do you feel a responsibility to play this character a certain way? Like, I think we sort of touched on this, but like, do you? Because because there are so few disabled characters like this on TV, especially on a big streamer like Netflix. Like, there are so few authentic disabled people playing authentic disabled people in shows. Do you feel like? a pressure to make this everything or are you more like I want to just play the character like it is I I, I think it I mean it might be sort of I, I I don't know whether this is a good thing or not but I I don't think of the wider context of Isaac of the the cultural significance or if uh, or, or whatever if he has um any of that really I just sort of just you know read the scripts and do my best to to bring what's on the page in, uh, to life. Um, I, I think, mean, I think that's the best way to do it too. I think. Yeah, because like, I think otherwise you end up pandering yeah. to what you think people would like. And I've noticed that particularly within the disabled community, we're very good at sniffing out pandering, and we're even yeah. better at calling it out. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, I have I have been guilty of doing it. <laughs> And what I do yeah. too, so like I get it. So I, I like that you, like, I, and also I'm sure that not having that pressure lets you just play the character the way it is instead of worrying about like how every single disabled person is going to view this. Like, yeah, I think I I'm the only person I need to impress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and like having putting that pressure on yourself would just be way too much. So I'm glad you I'm glad you play with some. I'm glad you play without that pressure there. Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's just how I've handled, I mean, m- most things in, in life. I sort of just uh, look straight ahead and solve the task in front of me. Yeah. Um, as opposed to thinking about the wider context, um, which, you know, has its drawbacks at some point. Um, yeah. People ask me like what I'm doing in a month's time. It's like, like, like I don't know. I don't know what I'm taking half an hour from now. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, what is it? What was it like working with the the other actors on set? What was their? How do they? Obviously, they're all great. But how do they? Do they come with questions about disability? Did they like want to learn and know stuff? How was that? What was that like? I mean, they're all lovely. They're all fantastic. I think that's part of why this show has become as successful as it is, is because it really feels like you're um, actually friends. the characters, but just uh, with how, with the nature of the show, it just feels like a real 
friendly family environment that's what it's like on set so everyone is is so lovely and of course they 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 have their you know uh questions to some extent but not in a um not in a in a way that like oh my god george tell me what happened what happened to you like tell yeah, me yeah it's, it's not it never those those conversations never conducted in that way it's sort of just no no one's prodding me going why are you, why are you like that it's, yeah which is nice yeah. um but yeah, I mean, it's such a fantastic um, place to be on set, and not only the the cast, but also the creative team, the um, directors, and all the crew. Um, it's a lovely, lovely environment to do work in. Nice. Uh, it's yeah. really good to hear because I, I hear sometimes from other disabled actors, you know, they go on set and it's been really hard for them to talk about disability or have that be a part of things, or or like talk with other castmates about disability. So to know that like you feel at home there is really good. Yeah. And I think that because of, um, yeah, because we're quite close, we're, we seem to be good advocates for one another um, and just being like, well, that's, that's great. But that's not going to work for, that's not going to work for him or for her. And we're, and we're very good at, um, you know, sticking up for one another in, 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 in those um, scenarios and in which anything comes up. As the, I mean, that's really good to hear, especially with such a, a young cast. Um, yeah. To know that you're all standing up for each other. Because, you, you know, the scenes you guys have to do are there. It's to even to play some of those scenes, even though it's all acting, it's, it's a lot to put all that stuff out there. And like one of the yeah. scenes that you are in that I'm going to give a huge spoiler away now. So anybody who hasn't watched the show, um, stop now. But if you yeah. have, we know that you act as a love interest for Maeve, but as we said, he's also kind of a bastard and drives a wedge between Maeve and Otis. Did you, and just talking to you for a few minutes, I would gather you kind of enjoyed playing the troublemaker. Did you, did you like playing the, the like troublemaker initially? Or? Yeah, it's great fun. It's great fun. It's just playing someone who's so comfortable in themselves and is so at peace with people not liking him. Um, if you like Isaac, great. And if you don't like like Isaac, then he's equally okay with that, uh, which I love to play. I mean, um, I, I didn't like him at first. Gotta say, the end of season two, I was like, oh, why'd you do that? <laughs> Isaac didn't like that. But then, you know, he kind of grew on me a little bit. I was like, oh, I like him. Like, and I, I, I was watching it from a critical lens. Like, I think I have to watch it now more playfully because I was watching it like, Oh, how are they going to do disability? How are they like? How is this character crafted? Oh. And I think I'm going to take a page out of your book and rewatch it just as a character, and not be like, oh, "What have they done with this disabled character?" So like, yeah, which is why when I saw the other the other like background actors in chairs and like other representations of disability in the show, I was like, "Oh, that's awesome." So, yeah. but I mean, I when I first saw him, like when he deletes the message from Otis, I was like fuck off that's horrible but then in the middle of season three i was like oh i like him though like i want him to be more that's why i was like i want to see him at school i want to see him like do other stuff because he's a really rich character yeah i think that i mean like you say he he does some um annoying things let's say um, and people have told me that they considered, particularly after season two, they were just like, oh, yeah, he's a villain, isn't he? Uh, how does it play? How does it, what's it like to, to play a villain? I was, I sort of was a bit reserved in, in referring to him as a, 
as a villain because he's not. He's just somewhat of an antagonist, certainly, just in terms of the structure of the show is sort of this will they, won't they, uh, between Otis and, and, and Maeve. And he all of a sudden becomes uh, somewhat of an obstacle um, between those two. Uh, so, yeah, antagonist, yes, but villain... No, he's just yeah. Yeah, he's got, his, he's got his reasons to do the things he does. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say he's a villain. I also felt like when he deleted Otis's message, he probably you know he the character probably thought girls like Maeve don't go for guys like me, so I got to take a shot. This is my shot. Well, I think I think it's possibly. I mean, there are loads of uh, reasons for Isaac to do what he does, and I think the the main one um, is sort of you know. The only experience he's had of Otis uh, at that point was at the party where he was yeah. really nasty. Kind of a dick. Um, to, to Maeve. So I think at, at that point, I think he, he feels that just because someone has, sends a you know 30-second voice message to someone, that doesn't alleviate all of the pain that you've caused someone. So yeah. I, think he's, I, I think at that point, there are valid reasons for him to... To, to, to delete that thing do you think isaac and otis will ever become like friends well i think that to some extent they're quite similar to, to some extent i think um and i think that they've just had di- very different backgrounds i think it'd be safe to say yeah um you know i mean obviously they both had um some sort of parental problems with otis with um, his parents splitting, um, but also you know Isaac with his parents drug thing. So I think that you know we'll have to wait and see if uh, if a friendship forms. I mean, it would be kind of cool. I mean, nobody thought that Raheem and Adam would be friends, and by the end of season three, they kind of are. Exactly, exactly. That we can go anywhere. Um, where do you want to see the character of Isaac go? Like, where do you, how do you want to see him expanding? I mean, it'd be quite nice to leave the caravan site, uh, I suppose, uh, and sort of just mill around Mordale. But there, I mean, that's the thing with with Isaac. There are so many aspects to him. So uh, obviously, you've, you've seen him training uh, the elderly in how to dance, yeah, and stuff. Uh, and I'm just happy to explore those those different sides of him. I I love playing the cheeky side of him and just winding people up. Um, I think that's yeah, that would be something that I'd love to explore further. Would you say there's a lot of George in that cheeky part of Isaac? Yeah, I mean, there's no acting involved, Andrew. It's <laughs> just all I have to do is remember to answer to Isaac essentially for that. No, but it's it, there's yeah, I just I love playing the yeah the troublemaker and then getting paid and praised for doing so because usually that's I mean, not who doesn't right exactly, exactly. Um, do you think that your sense of humor and kind of that sardonic quality you bring is that some oh, is that a way that you also cope with having become disabled is that sort of i suppose so uh in in terms of i've always i mean yeah an aspect of myself um that i've had throughout my entire life has been sort of joking around and not really taking anything too seriously which i suppose is helpful i mean i remember after like in the immediate um aftermath of breaking my neck i was joking around in the ambulance 
trying to flirt with the, the nurses, which was probably well, not the best thing to do because I was no, still trying to figure out what I'd done because I couldn't feel most anything. of my body. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was my a part of it was a coping mechanism. Um, and sometimes that gets me in troubled places. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm learning to, to, uh, yeah, to, to get the conviction to explore actual emotion. <laughs> okay, good, good. Um, so the big scene that everyone is talking about in the disability community right now who has watched the show is the set, the, I don't, don't want to say sex scene, I'll say rom- the romantic scene. Between scene, the, yeah. Yeah, the intimacy between you and me. But I liked it because it brought in elements of your disability to the character. And I liked the way that you... Sh- or that or that Isaac showed Maeve kind of how, what he can feel and what he can't feel. And I thought that was really powerful to see on screen because so many depictions of intimacy and disability are not that honest or not that vulnerable. What was it like bringing that scene to life? It was, I mean, it was, it was great. I think, like I, I, I've said it before, but in terms of like, like, yeah, the, the culture of the cultural significance of that scene you know if you see that if you you know you read that in the scripts and you go oh gosh this is going to be this is going to be big sort of you know it's the landscape of you know media um but like i said before you don't the best thing to do is just not think about that because then you the like impact. i said you end up pandering and you end up you know patting yourself on the back it's far yeah. too soon before you've done anything yeah um and i think that the beauty of that scene is that even though there's the aspects of it with disability and um, you know, it's that scene is actually just about consent and just speaking through intimate moments. And that's universal. It's not just a, an objective, uh, like a very specific view of, yeah. oh, this is, you know, Isaac with the disability and Maeve and, and how does that work? But it's, it's, it opens it up to everyone and just sort of, speaking about with your partner what you're comfortable with what you're not what you like what you don't and I think that's that's the thing that makes the scene so great and it's just so well shot yeah by, uh, it really was what, what, uh, like, Ron, Ron Yoro, um, our, our director and, and everyone the handheld approach is just it's really done really beautifully and, and it's really delicate and uh, yeah I'm really proud of that that scene um do you, now, a lot of the scene, a lot of the sex scenes in the show, other than that one, are really, they're really like big and and graphic and sexy. Do you want Isaac to have at some point have like a big graphic, funny, embarrassing sex moment too? I just want more. More. I think everyone wants more Isaac in in general. Surely, I think you know, <laughs> and I think that's the thing. If if that's what the story goes to, then. Yeah, I'm more. I'm I'm more than happy to fulfill that. And I think if I think that's that's the benefit of the show is that uh, all of those intimate scenes they're not gratuitous at all. Yeah, they serve the characters, they serve the story. Um, and yeah, I'd be happy to to fulfill one of those scenes if it if it serves the um, the character and 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 the story. Um, and yeah, isn't just there for like I said, a pat on a pat on the back. Yeah, um, yeah. that's the I think that's the thing that the scene between Isaac and Maeve um, 
achieves is is because it does it's so far beyond any form of box ticking um that it's really refreshing in that sense um yeah it's just two characters you care for another having an instant moment when you were prepping for that intimate scene did you and emma have like an off-camera conversation about like okay so let's talk did you did how did the two of you prep for that i mean emma and i had been talking uh about that scene for a while it's towards the end of the shoot so we'd been speaking to, uh, to one another for a long time before that and just gauging where we were both at um, with it. Um, and it's so great to have a scene partner like Emma. I mean, first of all, she's just so spectacularly talented and lovely and kind and generous. Um, and that was really, yeah, a really, it was a really good person to have a scene like that with. Uh, and then we also had an intimacy coordinator with us, uh, David Thackeray, uh, on set on the day. And we'd spoken to him and just, it was a really good uh, atmosphere to do those because those scenes are horrible. Yeah, they're all staged and there's people there. And yeah, camera so and people, lights, yeah, people will say just like, oh yeah, that scene, I bet that was, that was you know, fun to film. It's like, no, no, no. There's like, like loads of people watching and it's just not yeah it's nothing close to what you imagine it um and yeah it's it's really it was really lovely to um do that scene where we've been talking about for so long and then yeah we 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 got it in in a place that everyone was 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 comfortable with and uh yeah nice nice well i enjoyed that scene i thought even though you were you were doing it and I was looking for a pat in the back, I thought that it was a really important scene for for disability media. So I hope that they continue yeah. to put Isaac in places where that can happen. Um, so because the show is about sex ed, and because you've only, you, I guess you're still a toddler in terms of like your injury. Obviously, when you learned about sex ed initially, it was for it was probably around non-disabled people, and you probably did like the here's how not to have a baby kind of sex ed um yeah as you've kind of grown as you've kind of like come to terms with disability do you think sexual education for disabled folks has to be has to change or what what are your thoughts on that i mean it's interesting in the sense of i mean we've said before that every disability is different yeah so i think part of it is just understanding what works for you uh really but i think that the general principles are just that making people feel valid as sexual intimate beings and just being like yeah you're totally valid in 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 yourself um yeah i wouldn't i I wouldn't say i'm totally sure on um the uh the, the the way in which that is delivered in terms of I'm not sure um, I'm not sure that a school assembly where you know one person's singled out would be the yeah <laughs> the yeah best way to explore it but I think there's there's definitely a way of of exploring that and uh, teaching people in general just how sex works um, and just yeah I think because I think there are so many 
pointless taboos and hush hush conversations that if they were out in the open they would just be a lot better for everyone involved um yeah and a lot less shame involved uh if we had these conversations out in the open yeah and so this is not a question i wrote down this has nothing to do with your character but i love jim howick on the show um just incredible like i'm obsessed with him as a as an actor i watch him in ghosts and i like fell apart i was like this person's amazing and then when i realized he was in season two and three of of sex dad i was like oh this is fantastic did you i know you don't have any scenes with him did you have any chance to like hang out with him and just say hey you're cool like what yeah i've had i had obviously let you say i haven't got too many well any any scenes with him specifically but I've we've we've crossed paths um, at various thing at various things. And I just think he's an absolute genius. I mean, there were, there was a scene where I was uh, they were filming one of the school hall um, scenes, uh, and it was one of the ones where they're doing like a cappella singing. Yeah. And Jim like came across stage and had to say something like that. Was, yeah, say something. And every take was different and just absolutely <laughs> hilarious. And it was just, it was just what, just watching him and just going, my God, you're, my God, you're very good. Just a um, genius. Like and it was, yeah, it was, it was, it's a real pleasure to, to work, uh, you know, with, with Jim and just watch, watch him work. Um, I'm, I learned, I mean, I learned a lot from everyone on set. Um, but he's yeah he's fantastic i mean listen if ghost has a, a series four and they need a they need a wheelchair using ghosts like maybe <laughs> yeah, i don't know oh, yeah i could see you, i could see you doing that um speaking of other roles outside of sex education like because this show kind of put you on the map where do you where do you want to go after here like what other things do you want to explore as a as a, as an actor but also like as a disabled actor uh, I mean, I suppose that I'm open to to any sort of role, really. I think it just depends on how that role is explored, um, because that's the thing where people with disabilities they are everything. They're they're you know they're lovely people. They're also some absolute assholes, and there's people you know in between. Um, so whether that's you know there are disabled lawyers, there are disabled doctors, all of these things are valid um, roles for, for, for me to play. And it's just, you know, a matter of picking them, really, um, yeah. and getting them, getting them done. Yeah. Is there, is there a role that you, that you would be, that you would die to play that like, it doesn't have to be, a, it doesn't have to be disability centric, but is it just a role that you're like, I want to do that? I mean, a disabled superhero of some sort would be quite cool. I mean, wouldn't it? It would. Yeah. I'd be there for that. Um, like, could we redo Superman or Spider-Man? Or like, <laughs> they're doing all those we'll remakes now. Yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> um, I have run out of all the questions I have for you. And I want to I wanna thank you so much for the time. Is there anything else you wanted to say before we kick off? I suppose it's just a, a massive thank you for having me. For, for having me on it's been an absolutely fantastic chat it's been lovely to, to to talk to you um yeah oh it was such a pleasure and I, i'm again i feel kind of starstruck because i literally just watched you like 
the other day. So it's really cool that we got to sit down. Um, how can the people that want to follow you and, and, you know, follow your journey, how can they support you? Uh, I suppose just, you know, follow my Instagram. I post really crap captions on <laughs> weird photos. Um, yeah, isn't that the whole point of instagram isn't that the whole point exactly if, you, if you're yeah. you know if you if you spend every every day just coming up with like the most intricate and profound instagram captions i mean that's great but i i'm too lazy to do that unfortunately so yeah. i just do sarcastic ones so they can follow you at george ross robinson yeah nice i'll make sure that all that's in the show notes george <laughs> it was such a pleasure to, to sit down with you and thanks for giving us more insight into Isaac on sex education. And I, I can't wait to see season uh, series four. And uh, it was such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's been lovely. Thanks. Talk to you soon. All right, friends, that's another episode of disability after dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Gerza underscore or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark. Or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and a music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021